Photography to me is catching a moment which is passing and which is true. I have never taken a picture for any other reason than that at that moment it made me happy to do so. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and I'm riding alone today for episode 148. And right off the bat, I'll let you know that this is going to be a rerun episode. It's been, you know, the end of November and the Thanksgiving holidays, and just work has gotten me crazy and I've been able to, unable actually, to set something up with Ward and get a, an original show together today. And, uh, my my goal is for the next two shows in, in December, I will get some original content. But, uh, you know, Thanksgiving and turkey and people coming over and cleaning up the house and stuff. So I just did and work. Actually, my work schedule has been uh, not what I expected it to be. It's a bit long. So, I, you know, I have to do stuff uh, uh, early, either very early in the morning or really late at night. Right now I'm recording this. It's like almost 11 o'clock at night. Anyway, uh, that's sort of my long reason for saying that uh, don't have an original show for you today. But I'm going to replay one of the more popular shows that uh, I, that uh, we made. And actually, Ward and I made this show uh, about uh, Lartigue. And I realized, actually, as I was thinking about this today, that I'm going to rerun this show. And I went through the archives, and I noticed that, actually, in February 2020, I reran this show as well. But it uh, even in the rerun, it happened to be one of the more popular shows. And so uh, I thought I would posted today for some reason Lartigue is always one of those photographers who've always have always enjoyed and so I'm really hoping that you guys don't mind me rerunning the show and for any of you new listeners if you just you know signed up for the show and in, in the you know in 2020 or in 2021 you probably didn't hear this episode unless you went back to the archives and listened but uh, I figured I'd rerun it and as I'm realizing, I'm looking at the show notes from uh, the show when I originally posted it. Uh, when did I post it? I don't know if I have the date here. Yeah, April, end of April 2019. Uh, and I think this was one of the first shows that Ward and I did as a, um, you know, sort of me teaming up with somebody else to talk about photographers. And in fact, I'm looking at the show notes uh, and I wrote, and this is a quote, I wrote, this is the first of what will be, yeah, it's the first one. So this is the first of what will be a regular feature on Street Shots. The idea of talking about interesting and exceptional photographers with a buddy has been something I wanted to do for the show for a long time now. So any feedback is appreciated. So yeah, this might be the first one that Ward and I did. And I think possibly this is where I got the seed, Ward, by the way, you're probably listening, <laughs> to the, that I got the seed of maybe... Uh, having Ward as my uh, as the co-host on the show uh, would be a great thing. And I think uh, after listening to this show again, I realized we had a really good uh, energy uh, with the both of us talking about, especially photographers who we both really uh, admired and enjoyed. So anyway, yeah, this is just a bit of an intro to uh, episode, what is this? I think it was 96 from, uh, yeah, actually 96 from April 29th. 2019. And yes, this original show was one of our more popular shows and the rerun in February of 2020 was also a popular show. So let's make this one a popular show. But anyway, forgive me for not coming up with a new episode 
this, uh, you know, this end of November 2021. Um, but we're working on stuff for the next two shows. And the end of December of this year would be will be the 150th episode. So I can't make that a rerun. We'll have to figure something out for that show. I don't have everything necessarily planned, but we'll get something together uh, in the next couple of weeks and uh, make sure we record it and have a 150th show. I uh, I can't believe I'm getting close to 150 shows. But anyway, I hope you're enjoying them. So anyway, uh, without any further ado, uh, please enjoy this rerun of Lost in Lartique. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and welcome to episode 96 for the end of uh, April 2019. And uh, I have uh, a special guest with me tonight, my friend Ward Rosen. Hi, Ward. Hi. Maybe I'm not that special. Well, you aren't. (laughs) (laughs) You're very special. Oh, great. (laughs) I didn't want to get too much into an intro because I want to talk, I don't want to spend more time talking, but basically I, I asked Ward to join me tonight because I wanted to do something on this show that I haven't, I don't think I've done. I might've done in like sort of my own, like walking meditations and talking episodes, but sort of a deep dive on a photographer. And I've done something like this similar on uh, shutter time with Mac, uh, Sid and Mac. I think it was only with Mac. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it a little bit differently, but I really wanted to just talk about, I, th- I want to talk about photographers that I think people should, or at least people who are listening to this show should know about, or at least hear about what I think of this photographer and maybe what you think and whoever is on the show. But Absolutely. Uh, and so uh, thanks for joining me on this first version of this. Warrior. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I decided, I decided, I decided it's my show. <laughs> That's right. I wanted to talk about a photographer. His name is Jacques-Henri Lartigue, and I probably butchered that, but... Yeah, um, we do our best. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to, exp- you know, dive into this photographer a little bit and hopefully get the uh, audience, you guys in the audience, to appreciate and maybe go out and seek the, his work out. And uh, maybe fall in love with it like me and Ward have. So, uh, sure. But Ward, thank you for helping me with. This. No, it's not no problem at all. And um, and and I I picked you, Ward picked you, but I asked you because I know you have a pretty extensive knowledge of photographers. Well, I like to think that. Yeah. Well, you hang out in a place <laughs> called the Camera Store, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you you know you'll find you'll find holes in the knowledge. There's plenty plenty to miss there. I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah, Lartigue. Uh, and another reason for us to talk about him, get other people interested, is that uh, there are more of us to be able to talk about guys like him, mm-hmm. um, because he's definitely worth uh, he's worth the time. And uh, there's a there's a kind of a glow around him. Uh, he he was a kind of a one of a kind. His background really set him up All for right. well, some of the stuff. Yeah. So does. I'm going to come out and be honest with you about this. <laughs> it's like, this guy has not been on my radar for a very very long time. And he was on my radar in college. Mm-hmm. And what got me into at least one of his pictures was, um, it was probably a f- history of photography class that I was taking, and we probably had to write essays on him. Mm-hmm. And there was one picture, it might have been in my um, 
photography history book, the, the History of Photography by Beaumont Newhall. Beaumont Newhall, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I still have, by the way. It was my text, and I think it was my second year in college, and the thing was so dense, I just couldn't, yeah. <laughs> couldn't get through it. It was just like, you know. He's a filmmaker, too. He did lots of yeah. Uh, films, yeah. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk about him at some point in the future. Sure. But in, I, I'm pretty sure in that book, there's a shot of Lartigues of a, of a race car. And what's unique about this image is that the, the picture is very distorted and the race car is sort of bent uh, and speeding off the frame to the right and the spectators are bent and leaning off to the left. And for some reason, I remember it striking me uh, as something. And then I think when we had to write an essay, I chose that picture and I have no idea what I wrote about it. Mm -hmm. And I must have it someplace in my house someplace, I hope. Uh, maybe I'll find it one day and, and dig it up and, and see what it says. It's probably ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, he's been on my radar for a while. And I don't follow that many photographers from the past all the time. And I've just started getting into it since I've been doing the podcast and just sort of getting my own book collection. And then yeah. recently I subscribed to, I found this podcast, uh, sorry, a, a YouTube channel by this guy, Ted Forbes, called The mm -hmm. Art of Photography. Yeah, he does a lot and of I, good stuff. Do you subscribe to him? I sure do, yeah. Yeah, I, I've only listened to a three, maybe three or four episodes, uh, and I found them quite, I, I really liked them. So, and he brought up a color book from Lartigue, which I had no idea that mm -hmm. Lartigue was shooting color. Uh, and so that sort of got me sparked into it again. I immediately bought this book uh, from Amazon called the uh, Lartigue Life and Color. Life and I think color, it's a, yeah. yeah, it was a catalog from a show, I believe. Uh, you know, after reading, listening to the uh, YouTube channel and looking and, and p buying this book, which was ridiculously cheap, it was, you know, $24 on Amazon. And that mm -hmm. was like a no brainer to buy. Uh, I, I bought it and I, 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 you know, did my reading, uh, at least about his color work. And, and suddenly it was like, wow, where was this guy? And, and then I'm digging back into the past and looking at all of his and black his, and white work. Yep. No, and, he's, uh, uh, he's something. Yeah. Well, tell me, how did you, uh, how did you find him? Well, I, I'm kind of like a broken record because I talk about my my first exposure to photography education being the Time Life Library of Photography that my, yeah, mother, my yeah. mother got me when I was 11. And they're these big, I don't know, 12 inch by 12 inch silver volumes. And they're all about three quarters of an inch or half an inch thick. Did you get them and like once a month? Once a month. Yeah, I got them. And I couldn't wait to get the next one and the next one. And Lartigue, that same Lartigue picture that you have or that you uh, that you were talking about i had to and it went into the theory of how that particular image was created mm -hmm. and i did you know as a kid i didn't do much research but i knew the name lartigue and i associated uh him with that image and then as i you know grew up and had a dark room and all that kind of stuff then i would find you know there was a book uh, that came out i think in the 60s or 70s that mm -hmm. i saw and when the web came it was it was great because there are all these uh, older images and he's revered in france where he's where he was born and the, uh, the museums and and the french government um, hold him in high esteem and they display his work mm -hmm. and it's on the web and it's uh, it's there for everybody to enjoy now yeah. Uh, so that was that was my exposure to Lartigue, and but like you, the, the color book, I had no idea about until I saw the volume in the in the camera store. Now you were saying uh, off air that we that you it came out quite a while ago, right? That color book. Well, hang on. Or did I it? I say quite a while. Let me, let me just look. No, it's not that long ago. Okay. 
I'm looking at the the book was published. Uh, the book accompanies the exhibi uh, exhibition organized at the museum in Paris uh, from June 24th to August 23rd, 2015. Okay. So not that long ago. I'm sorry. But I mean, it's, you know, I, that's yeah. already four years ago. Yeah. In, well, in yeah, way. time flies for sure. Yeah. As I started to do more research uh, in him specifically for this show, because believe me, I didn't know anything about him uh, except what I read in the color book. Uh, and I started to look at his work and realized the dude liked speed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, the, I want to go back to that picture again, the, the one that, that we're both talking about, the race car yeah. picture. He took that when he was 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to get a little geeky here for a second because part of the, the strength of that picture is the distortions in mm -hmm. it. And I think when he took the picture. I don't know if he was doing it for, if he was working for a magazine or he wanted to publish it, but uh, I don't think the picture went over too well because of the distortions. Oh, he was disappointed. I read that he was he very was disappointed. disappointed in himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Take I can it. imagine, you know, like you're exploring this relatively new technology, these cameras and stuff like that. And you, and you're trying to record reality and you get this thing that comes out distorted, you know, yeah. and it must be, I could see it being a disappointment. And then you know, add on, you know, 70 years, 60 years as we're all starting to look at his work and we're like, whoa, that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> He's and like, you know what? I, I wonder if it's, if that leaning forward wheel is, uh, ended up being, uh, an inspiration to cartoonists because oh. when you see, when you see those cars or you wow. see some animation, right, the car right. is leaning forward and the wheels dra drawn as an oval. And I'm just wondering if this unintentionally became a symbol of speed. Uh, oh for the gosh. for the last century, right? That. Oh, uh, you yeah. know what? I I would probably put money on that. One cartoonist saw that and said, oh, "This is how I'm going to do this," and then someone else followed it. And yeah. wow, that wow, yeah, yeah. So, it's it's definitely see it's a symbol of speed. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. So the technical part of it that I learned is just because he was doing a slightly long exposure uh, or using slow film, and and he was panning the camera while mm -hmm. the car was moving and the kind of shutter it's a i think it was a leaf shutter in that camera had a little traveled from the bottom of the film to the top right and there was a little slot in it a, a mm -hmm. slit and that's how it, it exposed the film and i'll put a link in the show notes so someone actually wrote it uh made an animation of how that would work but once you see the physics of it how the how the motion of the camera and the way the car was moving and the way the shutter was moving, you can see how the distortion was created. Yeah. And today, what's very similar, it, you know, the quick example is that a rolling shutter. A lot mm -hmm. of the cameras now they're using, or like cell phone cameras, or even mirrorless cameras, if, if you wave your camera left and right too fast, you'll get what someone calls a jelly cam. Yeah. <laughs> Things look yeah. like jello. Yeah. But because the sensor is acting in a similar way, it's scanning from top to bottom, I think it's top to bottom on a sensor, that you get that same kind of effect if you if you move your camera too fast, especially with the older cameras. I think newer cameras, newer digital cameras have software that uh, tries to compensate for that. Um, right. I don't think it can fix it completely, but it's very similar. So I remember when I got my first digital camera and, or maybe not my first digital camera, but when I first started noticing rolling shutter, I was like, oh, this is Lartigue. <laughs> yeah. This, this is our version of Lartigue. 
But anyway, that's the geeky part. I don't want to get too geeky about this. But I, I mean, just discovering the technology and going back to what the camera was capable of and this disappointment slash discovery that he had is a pretty good pan. Like I do some motorsport photography myself and, you know, the flex and the imperfections and the rivets on the car mm-hmm. and the tread on the tires uh, that are strapped to the back of the car, relatively sharp. So uh, in terms of like my understanding of shooting motorsports, it's, it was a good pan. Like he got the subject to hold still while he was panning. Do you um, think he was the, I mean, this is kind of a stretch, but do you think he's one of the first to actually to do that, to be actually panning the camera while things were moving, or I mean, someone must have done that before. Yeah, possibly, but he's the first, you know, one that we know of of any notoriety. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to live with that. Yeah, let's put it. Let's put that on our. Yeah, on our, well, let's say it's all. It's all about Lartigue. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm going through, so I'm going through his pictures, right? First of all, he's got the black and white and the color, and they're they're kind of, you know, related and they're different. But the black and white. Well, let me stop for a second before we go into the pictures. Yep. One of the things I got into, and I think you will probably resonate with this, was this guy got into photography at a young age. Really young. Like really insanely young. young. Yeah. And his dad, he was in a rich family, right? Mm-hmm. And his dad was able to buy him camera gear, uh, or at least he was able to own this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think of myself. I mean, I wasn't growing up in a rich family, but like, you know, I had a camera. My, you know, I got him young and I'm sure you did too. Yeah. Right? 11. I was 11. 11. Right. right. I, yeah. And, uh, I must, I think, uh, I'm going to go a little earlier though. How, how, what grade are you in 11th grade? I mean, 11, uh, uh, 11 grade. years old, I would have been in, uh, going into the sixth grade. Oh, so you and me are about, we're, we're roughly the same age. Yeah. And I think that was about the time when I got my first camera it was a Polaroid camera, Polaroid land camera. Okay. Uh, I didn't have Polaroids till uh, seventh grade. Wow. So, <laughs> and I still, I still have a couple of them. <laughs> really? Well, you yeah. have to share some pictures of that with me. I got to see oh. those things. <laughs> well, I, I somehow or other, I have a first generation uh, tan colored SX-70. It's so beautiful. Oh, oh, really? Does it still work? Yeah. Yeah, it still works, but I can't find it. I hid it away somewhere. Oh, no. And then I got the Sonar One Step One, which was the, not the One Step. I think they're, they call what they call it. It's the black version of the same camera that has the sonar. It's still the folding version, yeah, yeah. but it has the sonar um, autofocus. I know, with the big, the big dish in front of it. The, the big gold, gold thing. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I still have that one. You know, he's, when I started looking at his stuff and I'm realizing he's like kind of taking the same kind of pictures that I did when mm. I was a kid, like my first pictures. Like the first shot that I, when I did the Google search, one of the first shots that popped up was this cat, this black cat in midair doing, yeah. grabbing something you know, <laughs> or trying to grab something. And it's a cat, right? It's a cat. <laughs> it's a cat. Tr- trust you to find a cat picture. I know. <laughs> trust me in the day of the, in the age of internet, looking at yeah. Lartigue from uh, who knows what, what I can't remember what year this is, but it's certainly, yeah. you know. The teens, it'd be in the teens somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, if he yeah. shot it when he was a kid. Right. It's a shot of this cat in midair flying. So I, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is. You know, I'm with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I think he's, you know, I'm I'm attached to cats, so I'm taking pictures of my cats. I think this guy yeah. is attached to motion. Yeah. And and exploring stuff. Of course, for him, photography is young back then, and the camera gear is, you know, relatively, you know, primitive is not the right word, but you know what I mean? It's... it's yeah. It was, well, the, 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 what do you want to call it? The hobby, the, yeah. the method of expression was still sort of, well, I guess... 
at least action photography, this was the the cameras that he was using were kind of the first that were capable of capturing it. So in that way, he's a, a real pioneer. I mean, even as a kid. And what kind of camera do you know what he might have well, been using? Well, he stop had action? to stop action. I think mm-hmm. he might have been. I mean, the cat picture, I'd imagine, would be taken with that box brownie that he had. Oh, he's right. He had a brownie, right. He had a brownie. He got, well, he got, well, we start from the beginning. The first camera he got is what I would call a banquet camera, a very large glass plate camera that would be, you know, 12 inches by 18 inch glass Mm -hmm. plate. And the story is, is that it was so big that he had to stand on a stool to operate it. And I figured... How cute is that? <laughs> that would be... Yeah, okay, everyone line up here. We're going to expose a glass plate with a mm-hmm. seven-year-old kid shooting. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering if that didn't go over so well. The next year, I think for his birthday, he got a Kodak Brownie. Kodak Brownie. And yeah. that was the camera that... The, did they already pre-fill that with film and then you would send the camera? No, I think the Brownie, that was just called the Kodak. Someone will probably probably get after me but i think starting with the the number one's a number maybe the number one was the one that had the hundred roll or the hundred image roll i think the number two had one like 120 film or and you would would fill that yourself yeah you would and you would get they'd be six by nine negative you'd get well you know i'm looking at the shot it looks like it was i mean it's sharp you know the cat is frozen in midair it could have been taken today i think you know And, you know, he took it as a kid. And so, it, again, I'm going, as I go through the work, you know, the way Google sort of throws everything on the screen, it's all yeah. kind of not in any order. But, you know, a, a shot of a woman jumping down some stairs and she's caught. Yeah, that one air. is amazing. It looks like she's going to go down on her head. You know, she's right, moving so a- swiftly <laughs> that it's like, and she's like a foot and a half above the stairs. It's like she was going down three steps right. and, at a time. And she's in this Victorian dress, right? Yeah. With these puffy sleeves and this like kind of, I don't know how she's going to, I don't know how she's going to do it. We don't know the end of that picture. Yeah. We, we, yeah. We don't know. And it's gravel at the bottom of those steps and yeah, yeah. she's going to miss the welcome at and everything. She's just, she's going down. Oh, but yeah. I mean... What's unusual and special about that picture in particular and some of the other ones of women that he shot in that era is you don't see this kind of life and vibrancy in uh, the people uh, or in photography uh, or a painting or anything in in that age, in that era. Nobody's smiling back then in in paintings and... (laughs) No, and you, and it like the cat picture. It feels very modern. It's sort of like, oh yeah, no, we you know we dressed up in these Victorian things and we took pictures of us uh, messing around, you know, jumping around the mm-hmm. the you know at the mansion or whatever. And this is what this looks like. It's a living thing. It's in a, in a way, it's sort of timeless. In some way, I, I mean, I hate to say this. Well, maybe I don't really hate to say it, but I mean, there are snapshots of life behind the scenes, behind you know you know the backyard where you know people let themselves loose a little bit, you know, and, uh, yeah. it's very refreshing to see these pictures because, you know, my, I can see the idea of like, you know, that time period is, you know, we have these paintings and, 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 uh, you know, formal portraits of people and everybody was really dour and, yeah. you know, and black and white doesn't really help that, you know, it makes no. it, <laughs> makes everything... are you gray? Or are you more gray or less gray? You <laughs> right, know? Everybody looks just old and, and yeah. bothered, you know? Yeah. And anytime I see photographs like this, uh, it, it just tickles me, you know, and it, and, yeah. it, and it reminds me that people are people today and they were people then, yeah. you know, and, uh, and we all put on our sort of formal faces and then we have our, we have our good times and, yeah. and whatnot. So 
Uh, I mean, a couple of the other, I mean, I just grabbed a whole bunch of shots and I'm not sure if I can put all these in the show notes because I don't know what the restrictions are, but I'll probably put a few in there. People in a go-kart spinning out, you know, in yeah. a dirt field. That is cool. That's insane. <laughs> it's like, there's something crazy about it. And, and they look so casual. That's the yeah. thing is like their faces are, yeah. are, you know, this, this guy's driving, it looks like this flatbed something yeah it looks really it looks fun whatever it is yeah i mean let's do that i don't know if it has an engine on it i think these were go-karts so somehow they must have been pushed or maybe go down a hill or something like that yeah and he's spinning out in this dirt field and the woman next to him she's just sort of making a like a face but what's great about it is the action is stopped yeah you know all the gravel's Um, up in the air and it's frozen Yeah. yeah and uh i mean he has got a lot of racing cars he's got another shot of a of a woman in what also is a go-kart wiping out yeah and she's smiling <laughs> she's doing it. yeah like, she couldn't make the corner she was afraid she was going to go spearing off into the creek bed there it looks yeah. like and she decided to maybe to bail so i wonder what really drew him to i mean you take pictures you like pictures of uh, uh automobiles i know you photograph yeah. them and and the uh, book you did on the on the um uh rodeo Right. Yeah. There's a lot of action pictures. What to maybe understand him a little bit? Maybe I can understand you a little bit. Like, what drew you to the action? What's the what's well, the goal? In freezing action, you are um, there's the experience of speed when you're in the middle of it, and then there's uh, an experience for a viewer capturing it. And what's interesting about Lartigue and what you know, we're talking about panning the camera and that sort of thing. My favorite pictures of race cars are that I've that I've taken at least in when they're on the track is to pan them and have a slow enough shutter speed that the background is blurred and the car is sharp Mm -hmm. because if you have a high shutter speed then it freezes and then you have there's no life in it at all right it's just Uh, it's like it's parked (laughs) you know the car could just be parked and the wheels aren't blurred spinning and all that sort of thing what Lartigue is doing for us here is he he probably doesn't have a range of shutter speeds. I mean, I don't know. If it was taken with his Graflex or his ICA reflex camera, he does have. In fact, I think the ICA, even in the old days, it had a shutter speed of a, th- a high shutter speed of a thousandth of a second because really? it had such a, a narrow slit. Yeah. If you look up the ICA camera company from Germany, uh-huh. they had in the tens, uh, the teens and the twenties, they had a huge myriad of different kind of cameras up to those giant banquet cameras down to these tiny, what became 35 millimeters. So it, it's very cool. So, but what, anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. Well, wait one the, second, but as long as you digress for a second, why do they call it a banquet camera? They used it in formal locations, like in halls and banquets. Oh. It was not. It was. It was on a, a, a an. Usually, it was put on an oak table, sort of uh-huh. like you know those oak dinner sets that you can buy. You know, that's I don't know for your kitchen or whatever. This yeah, giant, yeah, yeah. Uh, light, giant oak table, and the camera would be either built into it or. Really? Put it. I okay. put. You know, the 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 table came with the camera because it was so big <laughs> and heavy, and you would. You know, it's, it's not really appropriate, but you know, the movie The Shining, where the photographer is taking a picture of the whole group of people in that banquet at that hotel, the right, Overlook right, right. Hotel, yeah, yeah. and you know, was taken with this giant view camera, oh, and that's basically right. what right. they called them. It was a colloquial term. That's my understanding of what the banquet camera was. Just a large, a large view camera. But that sits on a table and takes 
Yeah, and you could yeah. j- jack it up or attach it to something else, but typically they were down at, you know, a table level or above or, you know, you could elevate it and shoot large groups in right. in halls and things. So what were where were where were we? Uh, we? We're talking about oh about Lartigue and and what I like Motion. about the the go kart. Let's yeah. just talk for a second. Uh, continue talking about the go kart picture. He he has frozen everything mm-hmm. in that image, so there's no panning like there was in that Grand Prix picture. That other picture, the first one we were talking about. Here he he has frozen everything, but there's so much going on with the gravel and dirt being spun up and the mm-hmm. expressions on everyone's face. And there's three uh, women off to the side that are watching this spectacle. And there's all there's definitely a feeling like this car is moving. It's certainly not parked, right? Because of the action. I mean, it's, yeah. there's, there's stuff going on. When you were talking about before, is like you can when you photograph something like say a race car or even like a football player they, they're frozen in time yeah they can look like a statue or you know yeah. like you said parked and stuff like that and you don't really get a, any sense of speed although maybe that's not the point of the picture the point of right. the picture is like what this being or or machine it looks like and what it's doing yeah but th- he's sort of combining them in this in this kind of shot where he's getting the you said the gravel coming up and the, the even just their faces. Yeah, their they're reactions. grimacing a little bit. Yeah. He, he's busy driving. She's kind of she's probably holding holding on to her seat. You know, they wouldn't have seat belts. <laughs> I doubt I doubt they'd have seat belts in those days. And she's just hanging on to the seat, and she looks like she's sort of enjoying it. I think then, it's sort of like mother, it's your turn. Come on, let's go. Right. You know. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, the I mean, to go back to this for a second, just go car shot. You know, he's wearing not a tuxedo, but he's got a bow tie on and a yeah. Very pro- everybody's dressed very proper, and the two things yeah. don't seem to go together. <laughs> no. Like, this is the kind of thing like kids wear short pants and baseball hats, and they grab a go-kart, and they, you know, fly yeah. down the hill, and they look, you know, stupid. And these are very proper people sitting upright, and they have good yeah. posture. Yeah. <laughs> they're about <laughs> to wipe out. Very important. Yeah. And so, you know, I go through all the shots, or a lot of the black and white, not every black and white, but, you know, oh, yeah. he loved to capture pictures of flying, things that were flying. And mm. he was at the time when flight was just sort of starting and, uh, and he was in France too. So there was a lot of, uh, people playing around with flying instruments then. And, uh, and kites too. He took, uh, pictures of kiting competitions too. Did he? I haven't seen any of those shots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's in his bio. I haven't, I think I might, I might have seen one picture of kites, but. Well, he's got this one shot of a glider. I, I think it's a glider and it looks like, um, it's, uh, he, uh, there's two guys holding on to it, or at least one guy holding on to it. Another guy like trying to support the wings, and then in the foreground, there's some other guy with a rope attached to it, pulling it, probably pulling yeah. it into the wind. Yeah. Uh, and this thing is airborne. Uh, it's yeah. in the picture. It's a beautiful picture. I know. It's it very such cool. a nice picture. The composition in this. I mean, it's just this thing that happened, right? I mean, he's yeah. there with whatever camera he's got. He loves to watch people flying and the guy in the in the foreground on the right the the division of the ground to sky is you know one third to two thirds it feels very yeah. natural yeah this um glider is at an angle to the ground maybe even like you know 30 degrees or something like that yeah and then these other little people these little dot, dots of people around it's just a beautiful composition and actually the more i look at it the more it just strikes me at how beautiful it is yeah uh, and the texture of the grass, the, the grass is the grass. rendered. Yeah. It's all like, it's very natural. You could smell the wind in the air, you know, like you could, you could, 
you know, the, you know, the grass and the, it's just very live. And that's, that's, you know, we could say that's Lartigue. Like he captures, not only captures a moment, but there's a real uh, immediate feeling. Again, the timelessness of it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it seems like all pictures of gliders and airplanes in that era seem to be canted at that angle. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> they're either just about to take the, off or they're just the, about to crash. The native instability that they have, right? <laughs> there's a, but there's a, and, and that's not the right word, not whimsy. There's a, and you, you gave me that word <laughs> recently. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. It's but one like of my, it. the words I don't like. That's fine. It's, a, but there's something about it. There's a, I mean, a playfulness is the only other thing I'm coming across. Like yeah. there's nothing very serious about it. I mean, it, no. these guys with a glider and, you know, and people are just hanging out and this guy's pulling it and. I mean, you know, I might be reading too much into this picture. I don't know if this is not the first flight. This is not like a historic picture of a, you know, apparently people had gliders for a very long time, you know, so this is nothing new, but, and maybe this is something rich people did. I mean, he was not, you know, he was well to do. So I think he hung out mostly with people of his upbringing. His class. Yeah. His class. Yeah. You know, this is what rich people did when they were bored, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, there's something that strikes me about this too, is, uh, the, the person who's holding on, like I guess, like you'd call him the pilot, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's hanging off this device, and his 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 legs are kind of all akimbo, like he's just finished running or something, I don't know, and and he's hanging from the thing, and then there's another guy kind of holding the wing down, right, or getting ready to launch it. I have to think that the pilot would be pretty scared <laughs> if he ends up getting 20 or 30 feet in the air. Right. I, 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 how to get down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if he gets a good wind blast, then what's going to happen, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. You know, I, I look at the even his color and his black and white, or at least the, the younger stuff, like the stuff that wasn't so posed, and it and yeah. it really gets a sense of, like, this is what we're doing today. This is what This is what everybody's been doing with cameras forever, you know? Yeah. And he may not have been the first one, but he's certainly one that has the name to say, you know, look at look at what we can do with cameras. It's not just about this formal thing no. that we do with it. And it doesn't have to be static, right? No. We can move around and we can have fun. And so it's just looking at his work. It just made me, uh, I think if people go and investigate his work, they're, you're, they're just going to be so happy. Um, yeah. About, about seeing his uh, pictures. But anyway, I wanted to go back. I th- think I sidetracked for a second, but I wanted to ask you. I don't think I quite got the answer. Like, what is your appeal about photographing things that move fast? Rather than just the process of it, what what is it that turns you on about it? Well, it's time and space and location and all that kind of stuff. When we did the rodeo book with Mark, I don't want to talk about it too much because I, I always seem to talk end up going back to that. But it 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 was a commemoration of an event, and it mm-hmm. was a, a, th- a three-day period in time. So the whole book represented that three-day period. Mm-hmm. Individual photographs represent, you know, the time period that the shutter was open. Right. Um, okay. And uh, when I shoot auto racing, you know, the cars are different year to year, so... Part of it is a catalog or a history or a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And an example of what the car looked like on that date at that racetrack mm-hmm. and so on. And so there's a kind of an archive uh, aspect to it. Uh, there's a historical aspect to it, like this is the car that won and so on. And so there's that kind of abstract other value of of photograph of the photographs that have nothing to do with the actual properties of the photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the time 
and that the shutter is open and that and the, the you know you take a picture of the car it's a different experience of looking at the car in a photograph if if it's really well done the photograph can stand on its own as a representation of the car when it right. was on the track. Right. When you're at the racetrack, you're watching it, you're in a dynamic moving system of the race itself or the race weekend where, you know, I really like that car, but it's a moving thing. It's a, it's a, a more ethereal and you, mm-hmm. you take away memories uh, of the races as they're moving around the track. And then when I do the still photography, I'm trying to create something that is, that is a representation of individual cars or a group of cars, whatever, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. and then present them as a separate, as its own thing. Mm-hmm. Is there is there anything about the challenge of trying to capture something moving? Um, like, there is some challenge to it, even if you've, you've done it for a while. Yeah, there's a, definitely practice involved. And also um, auto races in particular, because of the way racing is now, auto racing is now, Everyone takes the same line on the track because right, right. there's the fastest way to get around. They're always going to be in the same place. Uh, and it can get very boring. You have to, you know, sort of like, oh, I missed him this time. Well, he'll be around in another one uh, one minute and 43 seconds. So, <laughs> right, so you, can get- you know, I'll wait till he comes back around and it'll be all good. Right. Uh, so there's that. So you, you need to find, and part of the challenge is you get those shots that you want to get of the, the actual profile of the car and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it's like finding different angles. Can I get above the track and shoot down at it? Uh, can I shoot behind it? Yeah. Can I take a creative picture of the cars while they're parked, getting ready to go out on the track and all that kind of stuff. And that just kind of feeds into the experience of being on the race weekend in a still, you know, in still photography and people do videos and things like that. Yeah. So it's a different deal. Well, but, the videos are capturing everything and not really yeah. a moment and stuff like that. But yeah, part of it for me, I mean, I, I don't do that. I don't photograph races or anything like that. Well, I'd love to do that though. I mean, there's, you know, someday I'd like to get yeah. myself onto a track or or something if it's like a horse race or a you mm-hmm. know um, drag race I don't know anything with moving things really fast it'd be really I know I would not do really well because <laughs> you need practice to do this you need to be able yeah to- but but the cars go by every minute and forty three seconds so well, that's <laughs> you can true. practice yes, that's true yeah but you know like you know going back to his time he you know thinking of the of that race with the the shot with the with the distorted yeah. wheel. Maybe it wasn't quite the same, you know? I mean, I got to imagine the thrill then. Uh, Not to mention, first of all, the thrill of being at a racetrack, photographing things that are moving fast, which, you know, you're in the early turn of the the early 20th century. Things generally didn't move that fast. Nope. Right? So not not like an ocean parkway here, which is starting to turn into a drag racing. Oh, I could go down there and I could I could photograph. Well, there is that. And I'm sure they would really appreciate you taking pictures yeah, of them sure. speeding. I'm just, just, I won't get into that. Don't make me crazy. <laughs> but so he's in a time period where racing is probably new, right? Those guys yeah. are wearing leather helmets. They're, they were nuts. Anyway. We'll yeah. get into that. They're still, and in a lot of ways, they're still nuts, they're still even nuts, though the cars are a guys, lot safer. But yeah, those guys. Anyway, and, and then he's he, top on top of that, the photography aspect, which is also kind of new. I mean, he's young yeah. and stuff like that. And so there's this got to be this doubly, triply excitement kind of thing. You know, yeah. someone's driving by. I got this thing called a camera. I'm shooting it. I caught him. Oh, it's all distorted, but yeah. <laughs> it's like I still got yeah. it. So. 
I was going to say my one my one experience trying to capture things that were moving very fast was at an airfield in Holland. Um, oh. Actually, it was during the time that the Clinton administration was launching um, the stealth fighters at Yugoslavia to help give um, uh, what side some help. And I'm, I lost track of the sides on that war, but I was in this. I was. Uh, at this airfield and there were stealth fighters and F-16s and uh, Hercules aircraft taking off. And I was at the end of the runway because it was a road wow. and it was perpendicular yeah. to the, and they would close the, the road off. And there was all these other guys, all these other, you know, geeky plane guys yeah. there with binoculars and cameras. And I came in, I came in with this, with this Nikon 500 millimeter F4 <laughs> lens, which was humongous. It was most expensive. There's a guy who's compensating for something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And everyone was like, oh, can we see? Can we see? And what was really cool is that the planes were coming right at us, right? Yeah. And so I did get time to to photograph them because they were coming at me, so they had some yeah. time. But when they crossed above me, all, all bets were off because they were going, by that time, they were going way too fast. Oh, yeah. Uh, even just taking off. And uh, most of my uh, frames were just like, there's just like the tail of the, the stealth fighter in the shot because I missed it because it was moving too fast. Right. And I realized how much sort of practice and need to be able to like anticipate where things are going to go and, and, yeah. and understand the speed. So I just, I'm imagining him how much more difficult it was. And well, actually I was shooting with a film camera. So, you know, I didn't know what the shots were either. Right. Uh, today is easier with digital because then you can instantly get feedback and know what you're doing. But back then I wouldn't know how long he had to wait to get his pictures uh, to yeah. find out whether or not he got the shot. So... You know, and just thinking about, or kind of changing the subject here yeah, about sure. his, the way he captures life and how how vibrant. Uh, I keep using that word, but it's just that it's got this this living. They have these living qualities about the most of these images, and I'm just wondering if it was his exposure to and and practice to um, to photography at an early age. He wasn't he wasn't saddled with limitations of seeing other one other some others others work or being tutored or anything like that. He didn't he didn't know that you couldn't take pictures of the of you know his sisters and his aunts doing somersaults in the garden. You know, like those pictures are amazing. Or his was it his father w went out in a wader into into a pond or something. There's a there's an image of that of his dad out out in the middle of the water like. This is crazy stuff. Like, <laughs> who who takes pictures of this? But I'm happy and thankful that we have them because it was like, oh, this is what life is like. This is what middle class or upper class folks did on the weekend during the summertime. And I don't know of anybody. I haven't seen pictures like that anywhere else. There's one shot. I wouldn't say it's particularly uh, remarkable, but it it grabbed me. Uh, a shot of two people. Uh, I don't know if they're sitting in something. Um, One's a, like in a, a man. car? It looks like it, it could be a car. There's a, a man with goggles on and glasses, and he's smiling. And the yeah. woman to his right, or to our right, our right yeah. is cracking up, and there's mountains in the background. And yeah. again, it's framed. there at the bottom of the frame. There's some mountains in the sky that's kind of washed out. Yeah. And I looked at this shot, and I was like, this was this is what you're talking about, this, this moment in time. Yeah. People who are probably very, you know proper and stuff like that cracking up about something and he's there taking the shot and the, the energy in it is yeah. is so visible and relatable you know these people don't look like even though it's in black and white it doesn't look old at nope. all 
And again, I, the timelessness quality. I mean, we keep coming back to that, and it's absolutely true. I mean, he wasn't really discovered until later in life, right? No, I that's mean, right. Th this stuff was sort of sitting around, more or less, not being looked at until he was, what, in his 60s, 70s? Yeah, I think, well, he was discovered by the art world, I think, uh, around the world in the early 60s. Right. But that, that Grand Prix picture of the leaning wheel and that, that, that he eventually got, I believe that eventually got published. And that was fairly early on. That wasn't too long after that was taken, where he was, uh, uh, a French editor, I believe, said that he was an up-and-comer, that he was, mm -hmm. he, was, he, was a, he was a good photographer. So he had some early notoriety there. And I think within France, people might have known who he was. But the greater art world didn't really know until the 60s early 60s and if it, i think i read in the bio that he had a show at the museum of modern art in new york in 63 yeah it was yeah it was, 1963 i can't remember the guy's name who curated it. john uh, sarkovsky yeah up until then i don't think was he trying to be an artist i mean he just looks like he's taking pictures like the rest of us would be taking pictures yeah you know yeah. although he was a painter too right so that was part of his uh, and I think he said he he preferred to be known as a painter. But right. I think right. his, Not as a you know, the value of his photography kind of overshadowed any of the painting because I have never seen a Lartigue painting, but maybe that's just my problem or our problem. But no, he sold a lot of them. He, he uh, in order to make do later in life, he would make a painting and sell it to like pay the rent or get food uh, and something like that. So they're probably in houses, you know, all scattered around in France. <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. Him, you know. Who's his painting by? Going for let's go. I'll go forward now. I mean, we talked about his black and white stuff. I, you know what? His black and white stuff is just great. But like he he rubbed elbows somehow with all these um, very famous people. Yeah. Uh, a couple of shots I pulled out. One was with uh, John F. Kennedy in 1953. Yeah. Kennedy looks great, by the way. He's just sitting there yeah. smiling, and he's with uh, there's two women in the shot. I don't know who they are. I mean, I'm sure yeah. what the caption would be. And again, yeah. it's just this like slice of life moment. And then there's some color shot of uh, Picasso uh, and a crowd of people. I think they're at a bullfight and, and Picasso's in the foreground. And the picture is a little blurry because everybody's sort of moving or maybe the camera was moving a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and he's got other shots of, of Picasso as well. And mm. I was like, wow, you, know, you, get to, you get to rub elbows with some pretty impressive yeah. people. I, I didn't quite read up. I mean, I still have to read a lot about him. I didn't quite read how he ended up traveling in those paths, like how he got, you know, Kennedy and Picasso and whoever else he... Well, it could have been family connections or that he was, maybe we are missing part of the history where he did have enough notoriety as an artist to be able to travel. Uh, I'm just wondering if the Kennedy pictures was uh, uh, travel to France, if it was the family going... To visit with France and that to to France and that's where they probably because uh, I don't went. think he left France that often. Yeah, from what I know. But the thing about the Kennedy picture too is it looks a little posed. The one woman that's sitting oh, beside. Oh, she's very much. Yeah. She's she's uh, you know, and the hair, the 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 winds blowing through her hair, mm -hmm. and then there's a young lady kind of looking back over her shoulder at the camera. It's a uh, but a very live again timeless mm -hmm. image like it's. It's it's right there. Well, especially it's, it's, that woman on the bottom looking back at the camera. There's something yeah. like if she wasn't there, I don't know if it'd have the same kind of energy. But, yeah, no, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that people are aware of the cameras, and and but that's that crowd, you know. They're yeah, 
they're out there to look good. And I mean, he's 1953. I don't know if he was, uh, he wasn't a senator yet, was he, Kennedy, in the 50, early uh, 50s? I don't know. I'm I don't not. Know. But he was somebody. I mean, obviously he's there, you know, uh, in the, uh, you know, in, in, in Alartig's camera view. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get to, you know, knob around with anybody like Kennedy yeah. and have pictures in the future of him. But uh, then he goes into doing his color work, which I think he's also doing when he's young as well, because. Yeah. His his parents again have well are well means and he can buy all this kind of uh, camera equipment that will let him do color pictures, and the first uh, color shots he was doing was something called an uh, autochrome process. Right. Um, do you know about that? Can you explain a little that? bit? A it's little bit? Uh, it's complicated. It's um, I believe it's done with three plates and three filters: a red, a green, and a blue, or whatever the the th- three primary colors. Um, and the emulsion is made with potato starch. Potato starch, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so if you're so stuck you... in the forest, you could eat your plates. <laughs> <laughs> or you, you could, you'd be out there licking the, the emulsion <laughs> off. The... I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So when you, when you, uh, I don't know if you project them, you just put the plates together and shine light through and then you uh-huh. get this, uh, you get this color image, it was the, it was but it must've been magic. I mean, you think of early, like, uh, you know, 1912 or whenever, I don't know when, when the process was invented, but it must've been stunning to see these color images grainy as though they might have been. Right, right, right. I'm not sure it's the first color process, but it's certainly one of the first. Yeah. color processes and uh yeah i mean the same kind of experience uh, that we all had when we went from film to digital and we're looking at the back of the camera like whatever that magic is in photography yeah it, it's there you know looking at these and these autochrome pictures that he's got i mean he's no longer photographing motion as much because the autochrome is too slow yes uh, to be able to capture anything so he's got everybody sort of you know now he's got a woman in a go-kart and she's just sitting there and the go-kart's not moving and uh yeah. I don't know what kind of exposure times he had on this. Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, but and then he's got the glider. He's got the glider guys, but they're all just sort of posed in front of the glider. Yeah. And the thing about this, in order to equate this, uh, how do we, in, in modern terms, like we say it's very noisy. The pictures are very yeah. noisy. Uh, and there's a lot of red, green, well, they're not really technically red, It's but let's say red, green, and blue pixely yeah. kind of things in it. And uh, But there's a real ethereal look to the autochrome image and yeah you know I, I think we look back at it and we say oh how you know how quaint that is and how beautiful it is and he's looking at it and, you know way back when and saying this is freaking fantastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah just like you said i can imagine going from like well i remember when i only could shoot black and white film because that's all i could afford and when i could finally afford to shoot color you know slides yeah uh, it was it was like i can't wait to or when i had a black and white television that's why i grew yeah. up with a black and white television yeah me too yeah, and and when I could finally watch Star Trek in color, you know, or yeah. that show, uh, what was that show, um, UFO, right? The did you ever see that? Show? Oh yeah, and, um, and the women and the women on the on uh, Moon had purple hair. I yeah, know that. You know, no, Jerry no. Anderson show, but but they, I think they were they were you know, mainly counting that people would be looking at black and white. Anyway, I'm going I'm going all over the place, but I remember that that feeling. Like, I can't wait to have color. So, these pictures are quite. I don't know what to say about them. I mean, they're. They are beautiful. The technique is, you know, I mean, they, again, they're snapshotty life yeah. kind of shots, you mm-hmm. know, and you can see that he's exploring something new, but he can't quite get his, you know, he can't quite stop motion with it. No. 
but he's, I mean, he's still capturing the lifestyle. He still has yeah. cooperative subjects. He, he's doing the best with what he's got. I was going to step back for a second there and talk about color. When you start shooting slide film and experiencing color, you think you've mastered black and white, whatever that means. And uh -huh. then you go to color and then particularly with slides, you're going, Oh, I have to start again. <laughs> that's, that's what happened to me. Right. And I think, uh -huh. I think uh, that's one thing I could imagine going on in his mind. Now he's gone to color and he, you know, he's lost some speed and it's a slower, more complicated mm -hmm. process. Um, yeah, and I can just imagine him going, oh, I had all these living images in black and white and now I have these static images. So right. it would have been interesting if we could find an interview or a write-up on him about what his experience was starting to shoot color. I think it would be, it would be fascinating. Uh, so speaking about his color images... I got the book, uh, I'm looking through it, and, you know, one of the things I'm noticing, at least in a lot of his later color pictures, and I don't know if they did this on purpose when they were making the show, but he seems to have some sort of attraction to the color red, mm. you know? I, yeah. There's like almost not every shot, but there's like I got the shot of a, a I don't know this is probably in the '60s I think he took or in the late '50s, shot of a building with a shadow of a palm tree and 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 inside is his companion wearing a red hat in this little right. dark window, and then um, a patisserie in uh, somewhere in France, and there's these children standing in front of it and there's a window and there's a woman standing in the doorway and she's got a red scarf on. Or something like that. Yeah, everyone else is in white. The whole right. scene the whole is dominated is, yeah. by white. Yeah, and then another yeah. shot, again, a, a wall with a shadow of a church on it and a, a, another shadow of a building. And in, in a sliver of light, there's this woman walking and she's wearing a red sweater. Yeah. And, and then the last one. I mean, there's like endless examples, but this last one I thought was really interesting. It's a woman in a uh, pool swimming topless or naked, and she's sort of staring up at the sky uh, and yeah. her hair's in water, and her lips are red. Right, red, yeah. So, I don't know if this was on purpose. Uh, I don't know if it was something that is subliminal, or they they were just when they were looking through the archives to pull out pictures. Someone who was putting the show together decided that you know they were going to highlight this kind of stuff. But even as earlier, I mean, some of his other color pictures, like red, is predominant in a lot of the shots. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. Uh, the shot of his uh, again, his companion in a, what looks like a kitchen or something like that, and there's a red curtain behind her mm -hmm. she's it's a great picture it's actually one of my favorite of the color shots with all these uh, venetian blinds creating shadows on her yeah so you know i don't know what's going on with him <laughs> in these shots you know he's again capturing uh these little slices of life now in color do you think he's doing everything very deliberately i mean do you think he's he's he knows what he's doing or is he snapshotting or is he i think the later stuff he seems to really definitely be, be he's considered about what he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, the earlier stuff, I think he, the, he, you know, he was able to practice enough that he had a lot of good fortune. And the more you practice, the more, you know, the more fortune you get. And I think, I mean, some of this later stuff, like for, you know, like this one that you're talking about, the woman in the chair with the, with the red, red and white curtains behind her and the Venetian blinds, it's like editorial work for mm -hmm. a magazine, mm -hmm. for instance. Right, right. It's like a pro photographer model shoot almost. He did commercial work, but he only, I mean, really started doing it a lot later in life, right? A lot more. Yeah. 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 I got really inspired by that. 
I mean, the, the whole story, I mean, I, and we're already about an hour, so I kind of want to wrap it up a little bit. I mean, there's probably so okay. much more we can talk about him, but his sort of life trek he starts off early in love with photography and gets discovered later in life. And uh, he lives until he's like 92 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he lived yeah. a really long life. And his path for photography is really nice. And I love to see that, like, he, he became kind of famous in his 60s or 70s and, you know, got his show in the museum. So I always like to think, like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, there's always hope for me. <laughs> well, also, too, that, that for you and I, especially, uh, connection to childhood photography, right? I like that. I mean, the pictures that I took when I was 11 are nothing like what he was getting. No, well, you know? yeah. But that whole kind of experience of the, the magic of it early on and keeping to do it and becoming the family photographer. Oh, you got to come take pictures of this or right, right, some right. birthday cake or whatever. There's always one of us in the family that, that does that. And you can relate to him yep, yep. that way by his story. And you can certainly relate to his subjects by the way he captured them. He's Amazing dude. Yeah, and the one, as, as you're mentioning this, the thing that popped in my head today was we got, you and me, you know, we grew up in a certain time and, and photography was sort of an evolution. We, 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 you know, we started with these little cameras and we worked our way up to where we are now. This is going to sound like old man yelling at clouds or get off my grass kind of thing. Kids are growing up with cameras pretty much right in their hands once they can start grabbing things. Mm -hmm. And... I wonder, does that ma is that magic then lost? Like, for me, photography was really this great evolution, and it was magical, and it still is. It still pulls me along as this thing that, you know, is a very, uh, I don't know, very privileged. I, have, I, I feel, um, you, you know what I'm talking about, all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And then kids, you know, as they're growing up with, everybody's growing up with a phone, right, in their hands. I, I'm mm -hmm. not making any judgments about that, but they have cameras built into it. And so right away, they're understanding. And they're being photographed all the time, too, by their yes. parents who have the same devices. So yeah. I wonder if if some of that is lost now with this, the way things are going. Yeah, lost, maybe displaced, displaced is, yeah. for me would yeah. be. Because the kids nowadays... <laughs> The kids nowadays, they use Snapchat and Instagram as methods of communicating right, right. with each other. Now. Yeah. yeah, and that's fine. I think I'm okay with that. It's just, it's just, you know, sometimes great stuff comes out of it, usually not, mm -hmm. but that's that's just my point of view. But yeah, they're using it as a form of communication, and I think there's the odd kid who goes through the Instagram stream and finds something wait a sec, this is really cool. Mm. Someone stood and took a picture of this, I don't know, the Statue of Liberty at sunrise or whatever it, the subject is, and going, wait a second, there's something else going on. And I think I think every now and then you do get kids who maybe they start with the iPhone and they or the, another smartphone mm. and they go around and, and do an artistic try and and produce some kind of art out of it so their path is, is uh, different i mean it's, it's yeah it, it'll lead to the same thing the the magic and love of photography and pull them along it's yeah. just uh and they can't help it now they're surrounded with images and, and visuals all the time and so unlike lartigue who you know photography is something less than was it less than 100 years old when he was yeah it was no yeah, no it was a little yeah. more than a, no 1840 yeah, yeah. And with the displacement comes uh, a generational thing where if you're we older, we could reflect a lot on what we created, too. Mm -hmm. Like we would, 
you know, I would shoot during the week or on Friday, uh, whatever, Friday night. I would, you know, develop the roll of film or sometimes Saturday and wait for it to dry, wait for the negative to dry, and then print on Saturday night and Sunday night. And there was that stretching out uh, of the the drawing out of the process that it became a reflection. Mm -hmm. And I think it, even though it did really me no good at all in terms of being an artist when I was a teenager, there was a, like, you learn how to look at negatives, you learn how to look at prints, you learn how to... Uh, to get rid of your defects and there's a craft to it that I think if you're on a phone, you don't really, you're not really exposed. You're not, well, I keep using that word, but (laughs) you're not really confronted with some of the, I don't know, arduousness of a, of a, of a mechanical or, or chemical process. This is probably the, I mean, this was always the inevitable end or, and the way photography was going to evolve. I mean, it was always going to go from a Lartigue style, Matthew Brady style or whatever gear and, and whatever to where we are now. And who knows what it's going to be, you know, in another 20 years, this was the path that it was always going to be. So, and it's what we wanted too. like, um, one of the reasons why I don't, I don't do film anymore is not because I don't, I don't dislike it. I love it. I mean, uh, Mark took me to the uh, dark room at the Alberta college of art Mm -hmm. over here. And, um, I could smell the chemicals again and it was a nostalgic rush, but I would have killed to have a contrast slider instead of, (laughs) you know, filters filters and try this and then doing this. And then, Oh, now I got dust on it. Now I got to go back and, And do it again. Hey, you, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Hey, you kids, you really aren't missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. And we're not. But it was just sort of like, and it inflated the value once you finally got the good print. Yeah, of, no, because don't you know how hard I worked for this damn thing? You know, right? Because we, we climb the mountain, but we fall down a few times, and we keep getting up there. Yeah. Right now, you just now you just float to the top there. But uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to to sort of revisit this. You know. Uh, not maybe us, uh, you know, in like 40 or 50 years and see what people will be talking about, you know, in terms of uh, uh, digital and and photography evolution. So I think we barely scratched the surface with this guy, but I know, yeah, I know. Right. I wanted to get this out as a feeler for people to like go and explore this guy's work and, and read about him. You know, it's like, these are the, these are the people who, I mean, I hate to say this so cliche, but we're standing on the shoulders of, of these guys, but what's great about Lartigue's work, and I'm sure other people will come across in the future, is that you know they have the same struggles as we did, you know, photographically, and you can see their lifestyle, the life that they're living, uh, is very much relatable, I think, to where we are now, uh, and that's yep. a lot of the fun of it's a, a lot of the fun I've had with deep dives and photographers, like realizing how much of a human being they are and relatable. So I like doing that. I'm bored. I'm really happy that you were willing to spend your evening with me me too no that's great i uh um we got to do it in person one of these days that's true yes we'll uh we'll meet up someplace halfway maybe <laughs> or you wanted to come out to new york right no i'm coming out to new All york right. one of these that's, days yeah. that's great you know we'll uh find you a place to stay <laughs> oh, I wish you could stay here, but it's a mess. Anyway, so, hey, Ward, where can people who are listening look for your work and find out where you are? I uh, just look for my name, Ward Rosin, W-A-R-D-R-O-S-I-N, on Facebook. I'm the only one there. 
I'm uh, Ward Rosin Fine Art on Instagram and uh, have a website that's sort of falling into neglect. But Mark and, and my book, um, Between Dust and Sky, is still available for sale at uh, rosin.ca, R O S I N.ca. It's our website and my website. And um, that's about it. Right. If you search for me, you'll find me without a doubt. All right. Oh, what was I going to say? Well, never mind. Uh- <laughs> Now I'm like, now I'm getting... How, how do we find you we on find the you? internet? Well, you were saying the, the website is in a little disarray. So is my website. Uh, the Switch to Manual website is not uh, really working too much. But, you know, my website, amrosario.com, you can go up there. I still haven't put my galleries up there yet. So I'm, I'm working on that. And you can find also me on Twitter, at amrosario. I'm on Instagram, at amrosario. And what else? Yeah, look for me there. And... Uh, look, if you subscribe to the show via iTunes, if you guys can give me uh, ratings and thumbs up or anything like that to help get the show out there, let people know that this exists, uh, I would really like that. That would be probably the, one of the best things that people could do. So, uh, uh, what else? I think that's it. Keep it short and sweet. Uh, Ward, and I got, I, go ahead. Sorry. I, I got to say about, uh, you know, because I subscribe to uh, Street Shots, when this episode comes up in the queue and I'm on the train going into work and it's me talking to me, <laughs> it's very surreal, man. Do you have a message for your future self? <laughs> to my future self? No, just that confirming this is weird. Okay. This is weird. This is how we'll end it. It is very weird. This is why I don't listen to my show. <laughs> anyway, Ward, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, as always, my friend. All right, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later. See you in May, and uh, adios. 